0: Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. and I'm Megan, and I'm Shaken Grgy. Yes, well. Thank you to everyone who has sent us Grgy. We love it all. Okay, are you ready for part two? I sure am. When I left you in the last episode, ooh, if you're just starting here, this should go be, back. Yeah, you've got to go back because you won't understand any of the play the the people. Why do I keep saying players? I don't know. Sorry, that is just I'm such a, pl- a.
1: I'm a player in my own life. <sighs> I've said once before that we all walk through life as the stars of our own movie and everybody else are just cast members. Mm -hmm. So there's no ill will or intention in what you're saying or disrespect meant to our victims and our survivors.
0: Of course not. Of course not. Ever. That is never our intention on this podcast. But if you started with this episode, which I think is episode 243, Go just kick one. it back to episode two forty two, so that you can get the first part here, because I left you in that episode in two thousand and ten, where our perpetrator Matthew Hoffman is, um, obsessed with trees. Is a little Squirrely. It's it's <laughs> a little. <squirly. laughs> he, he likes to eat squirrels as well. Um, he he doesn't just have an obsession with them. He he wants to become one with them okay and I think maybe in his mind he has okay all right and he's working as a tree trimmer yeah he is sitting um in trees for hours watching his neighbors but you should also know that he hates the world and everything in it except for trees okay especially squirrels and humans but except for trees he likes them on the night of November 9th 2010 Matthew Hoffman positioned himself in the woods across from the home of the people that we met in the first episode, <gasps> Tina Herman. No in Apple Valley, Mount
1: Vernon, Ohio. So is this where he's come to live or did he just climb a tree here?
0: No, he lives in the vicinity. Okay. Okay. Not the same neighborhood, but in the area. Um, because remember, Tina's best friend
1: Stephanie works for Matthew. I believe. I'm like in the office of his tree trimming business? Like she takes the phone calls and says, hey, Squirrely, you got to go over here and trim <laughs> this box elder?
0: I couldn't find, I couldn't hammer out those details. Okay. I am not sure because it was just mentioned that she did some work for
1: him Okay,
0: in this area, okay? So I w- that is is where the connection is that this is Stephanie. Stephanie and Tina are neighbors. They live in the same neighborhood. And they're besties. And they're besties. And so Matthew Hoffman isn't, you know, far away in those, in that regard, Um, but I think, so he positioned himself in the woods across from the home of Tina, where she was living with her um, boyfriend, Greg, her daughter, Sarah, her son, Cody, and he parked his car about a mile away, but he stayed in the woods, which is something that he enjoys. Now, I think that this house was specifically targeted because it was the most isolated. Remember I mentioned that, that when Tina and Greg moved to Apple Valley in this really nice, you know, lakefront neighborhood, they actually didn't live on the lakefront. They were more secluded. In the and woods. A, yep. And it had a really nice backyard and all of that stuff. So <sighs> Matthew Hoffman set up his sleeping bag and he camped outside of the home
1: It's creepy night. AF. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. As creepy as being up in trees for hours staring at people. Yep. And he waited until Sarah and Cody um, and had, had went off to school. And there was no one in the, you know. Um,
1: presumably the house is empty.
0: Yes. Presumably. Mm-hmm. Tina had actually left. She went out to go to the store. And at this point in time, Matthew Hoffman breaks into the house and he just sits in wait. Okay. Uh, why? Now, well, I like that you say that. Why? He claims at an eventual trial here that he only entered the house to rob it. But if that were true, why enter the home when it's empty and then wait? Right. Get your shit and leave. Exactly. Because that's what happens in a
1: robbery. Right. uh, They attempt to leave without being caught. They usually. They don't wait around and have a fucking cup of coffee.
0: Nope. They do their robbing things and then they. Yeah. tail it out of there. Right. Now, here's the thing that I haven't told you about him. Okay. Besides his affinity for trees and all things tree-like, he also just enjoys roaming around people's homes without them ever knowing that he was in
1: it. So he has done this before. Yes. So Frequently. he he, he is Goldilocksing. Mon- yes, he is a tree hugging Goldilocks. Yeah,
0: he enjoys being amongst the living, without them and knowing. all of their things without them knowing. And you know, if this you- is why
1: people need to lock their panty drawer. Yes, because of people like this.
0: You know what's weird when you do like energy work and you can feel energy? You can tell when there's been other energies in your space. Agree. Like I can't come into my home without knowing like one of my kids came home when I wasn't here. Or I'll know if one of if you know, my son is in the basement, I'll know if he has friends here because I can literally feel their energy. You should all tap into your your yeah. energetic spaces and your own energy because you'll recognize the energy of others much easier. But this is terrifying.
1: So it's a sixth sense too. It if is. you walk into your home and you just have a weird, uh, an evil or a gut feeling and you're just like, oh, yeah. I don't like it. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't smell right. It's it doesn't- the
0: sense that we never talk about. It's called clairsentience. We all okay. have it. Start using it, people. They just don't teach you about it in school. Right. That, that gut feeling. If people feeling, use that,
1: horror movies wouldn't even exist because people wouldn't. would walk right back the outside. They would. They and would the know. movie would be over. Yep.
0: The end. The end.
1: Everyone lived. (laughs) She
0: used her clairsentience, and she knew how to stay alive. The end. (laughs) Yeah. So when Tino returned from the store, this is where we get into the murdery. Okay, so the first episode I spared you from. Which
1: he says was not his intention.
0: Right, remember. To murder. He just wants to walk amongst their things, presumably, as you indicated, shuffle through the panty drawer, sniff some panties, and leave. But he never leaves. Yeah. He doesn't do that. And Tina had just went to the store. And he's been watching them. We know he he's has. been in that All fucking night.
1: tree watching them. All
0: night. Yes. He he had a god dang sleeping bag.
1: Okay. He was camping you, out. You can't change my mind. This guy was jerking off in the top of a tree. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't. Yes. Oh, the horror. The poor nature that had to see that. Yeah. Well, I hope he has poison ivy right on his dick. <laughs>
0: Wouldn't be the first male to have accomplished that. No. Nope. As soon as Tina returned home from the store, Matthew Hoffman attacked her. He dragged her into a bedroom, and he stabbed her several times with a hunting knife that did end up resulting in her death. Okay. What he did not predict, however, was that Tina had actually arranged for her best friend Stephanie Sprague to come meet her at her house that day. Okay. So... Stephanie, who had no idea what was going on inside the house, enters the house and finds herself also brutally stabbed in the chest by Matthew Hoffman. Okay. And I don't know. Did he recognize her? Did he realize, oh my gosh, if Stephanie's here and I know her? I don't think it mattered. One way or Maybe
1: another. after. I, I can see where um, um, homicidal maniacs who end up killing multiple people other than their intended victim don't realize who the identity of the other people are mm-hmm. because they're in a, they're in a zone. Mm-hmm. They're in a murdery zone. I
0: truly think that Stephanie had probably talked several times about her best friend Tina and their children and how their children all play together, and that is likely how he ended up targeting this family agreed because tina and her children do not know this man the only link is actually that stephanie had done some work for him so i think that's how he how they got in a, a, his awareness okay all right so now inside this home we have two murdered adult women and i'm sorry guys um the family dog was in the house as well of course tried to protect and was barking wildly and he killed the dog as well so we already he's the worst of the worst and deserves every pineapple up his ass he's killed two mamas and a dog and a dog Mm -hmm. yep so he then dragged all three of those bodies to the bathtub he dismembered them one by one and put the bodies in (gasps) trash bags fuck me man
1: it got graphic quick he didn't like leave. He attempted to cover it up or at least, why, why take the bodies? There's evidence of blood and, and DNA and everything here where you've killed them. Was he going to try to clean up? Have we had a
0: psychotic break? I don't know. This is zero to 60. We went from arson and robbing and just being amongst people's A peeping things. Tom, a voyeur. Mm-hmm. Yes. A voyeur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. And <laughs> to, to, to dismembering. I mean that's a serious well, leap.
1: How many of how many murderers statistically dismember on their first kill?
0: I was going to this causes pose me that question as well. I agree. That is something that I thought of. Um,
1: Other than he's somebody who's experienced with killing wildlife, um, hunting, which is I, okay. I have no problem with, and butchering. That.
0: I hadn't considered that. So it would be a natural progression, right? It's just I a guess. different type of body. Okay. I, I hadn't I considered know. that. You I, kind I of... call bullshit on
1: my own statement, but still. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I think that that's a big leap.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I guess in when you're in that um uh, that that state of mind, it might not seem so different. Okay, especially because you got to remember one of these bodies was a dog. Okay, as well, two humans and the dog. Well,
1: in his murdery um adventures, that first time, perhaps it was a, a moment of panic. Uh, I got to get rid of these, and and dismemberment yes. just came to his head the because most, it's, it's the bizarre easiest, and most crazy. natural. Yeah, I don't know
0: because that's what he's done with his animal kills. Okay, maybe. Okay, now it's I'm we're going to get more graphic here and trigger alert trigger alert to child stuff. Okay. No. Because the kids come home. Fuck. They do because oh. think about how long it takes you to clean up a mess like this.
1: It would have been shorter for him to drag them out of the house and into the woods.
0: Yes. But that's not what he does. He's in the home. He's enjoying he it. He he's
1: enjoying being in this home.
0: He knows exactly who lives in this home. And it's almost like he wasn't, he, whether he lost track of time or what, but Cody and Sarah come home from school. Fuck. So as soon as they walk through the door, Matthew Hoffman springs on the children. He stabs Cody, who is 11 at this point in time, in the back of the head, killing him immediately. Okay. And he then, after he was deceased and clearly deceased, He continued to stab Cody many more times. He also did that with the other two victims, with Tina and Stephanie as well. So just to put you in a a state of where he's at, psychotically speaking, we are at a a break. Okay. Um, He then chased 13-year-old Sarah up into her room. He tied her up with a cord from the fan that was in her room. Okay. Okay. After killing all of those members of her family and dismembering all of their bodies in the bathtub, Cody included, he gagged Sarah. He threw her in the back of Stephanie's Jeep. Okay. Right next to the trash bags that were containing the mom, her her brother, mm -hmm, and her. And her mom's best friend, Stephanie. Yes. And her family dog. Right. As well. So he, uh, Matthew Hoffman, takes Stephanie Spriggs' Jeep, to his own car that he had parked a mile away, a, which was a Toyota Yaris, and he transferred Sarah into that car. He then drove back to his own home. He locked Sarah in a bathroom. Why?
1: Oh, I know why. You know exactly I know why, why, he kept her. Mm-hmm. why he
0: kept the 13-year-old. And why this family was appealing to him to okay. begin with. Remote location, right? Yeah. Teenage children. Okay. So- well, then what he does is he so he drove her in the Toyota Yaris right, which essentially means he left um, the
1: dismembered he, body parts in a bag in the jeep. I
0: believe he transferred them. Oh, he brought no, those with him. He brought too. those with him. But what he does is he locks Sarah in the bathroom in his home, and then he goes and he hides the trash bags with the bodies in it. Okay. Um, we will get to where he hid those in a
1: moment. In the grass.
0: afterward obviously he's very exhausted from his day of murder and mayhem in butchery okay so he decides to take a nap not wanting sarah to escape he tied her to himself while he slept sarah looks around his house in absolute horror because she sees that his walls are lined with bags of leaves Mm -hmm. tree leaves you guys his floor is completely covered in leaves from trees as well what in the actual fuck he has made the inside of his home a tree house a tree like a tree bizarre i mean we obviously how terrified this this poor little girl is exactly she's tied to this man it's a horror movie and she's just surrounded by trees and also i don't know if you guys have ever played in leaves before yes but after a while they don't smell good no
1: they're musty and moldy they start to get mold they start to
0: decompose because they have fallen off the body of the tree and they are no longer receiving light and when you go
1: outside momentarily in fall that's actually not a terrible smell although it does affect a lot of people's allergies but to have it in a confined contained space Mm -hmm. inside of a home
0: Mm -hmm. so eventually matthew hoffman wakes up he goes back to Tina's house, No, stole the family truck, and planned to use it to retrieve gas cans that he would use to burn the home down. Where's the boyfriend? He is still at, at work at the distribution center. Remember I told you he leaves at three in the morning, or yeah. wakes up at three in the morning, works an hour I away. Can't
1: this fucker took the time to take a nap, though, right? instead of finishing this job I off.
0: Know. Because he's planning on burning the house down. Right. That is his intention. So you would have thought he would have done that quicker. Yep. As he stole the family truck, though, to go get the gas cans, the truck stalled out. So he had to abandon it in a parking lot. Okay. All right.
1: It's karma. Like a small little bit. A
0: little bit. A little bit. So uh, uh, and what happens is that Matthew Hoffman chained Sarah up in a crawl space for about three days. This crawl space was also covered in leaves. It was cold. It was dark. It was wet. It was gross. I don't think that I have to go into detail about the fact that we know exactly why he was keeping her alive in there. Okay. There was extensive sexual assault. He fed her rotten food. He fashioned a diaper out of trash bags that he taped to her body and would not let her shower or clean herself. Okay. Um. Now, let's talk about, because I said it was only, not only, because that three days felt like an eternity to her, I'm sure. But it was three days that she was chained there. Let me talk about how he becomes a suspect. Okay. This happens after police find Matthew Hoffman sitting in his own car right next to the abandoned Tina, or, uh, Tina's abandoned truck, the family truck that he yeah. went back and stole that stalled out in a this parking lot. Fucking weird. He He's can't sitting stay next away. to it. He's in his own Yaris, which just sounds like such a pussy dump. car.
1: Sorry if you own like, a Yaris. sorry if
0: you own a Yaris, but it's just like the dumbest name. For him. He never was able
1: to burn the place down. Then
0: no, he was never able to because the gas cans were in the truck. It stalled out, and I think he intended on it. Like I think that's why he was found there. But this you is know, days later? This is three days later. So at
1: some point in time, the boyfriend has had to have come home. Oh, yes. And he
0: all of those things, the reported missing, she's kidnapped. Yes, yes, yes. All of that stuff okay. happens. But how he becomes a suspect in, remember, they have no bodies. No. They know that... They're, and they're assuming Sarah
1: is murdered. Right. Too. Because at I'm assuming there's time. blood everywhere in yes. the bathtub and yes. so they the know, house from the stabbings.
0: Yep. They know. The police know that nefarious things have taken place because Greg has reported all of them missing. Stephanie's reported missing, you know, all of that. But they don't know where to start. And then he gets himself on the, uh, as a prime suspect because they find. He parks
1: next to the car. Yeah.
0: They find the family truck abandoned in this parking lot and happen to find this dumbass in his Yaris sitting right next to it. So they're questioning him, like, roll down the window, like, hey, what you doing here, buddy? And he's like, Oh, I'm just waiting for my girlfriend to get out of work. Like, oh really? What's your girlfriend's name? He's like, Oh, well, we just started dating, so I actually don't know her last name. But her first name is Sarah. No. Yes. So he's identifying the victim, the 13 year old little girl who is chained up amongst leaves in his crawl space to the police, who they know is missing, by the way. As his girlfriend. As his girlfriend. So it doesn't take a lot of strong investigatory work here, right? For police to be like, interesting, you're sitting right next to the abandoned family truck of the family that's missing. So and you're far, saying your girlfriend's name is Sarah. This is going
1: to go just like the interrogation on his arson case. Right. Right.
0: So they go ahead and start looking into
1: Matthew Hoffman.
0: And it does not take them long. The SWAT team gets involved and they decide we're going to make a move on his home. Okay. That's where we're going to start. The first SWAT officer in line that bursts through the front door of the home as a second one also tossed in a flash grenade to surprise and disorient him while he was sleeping inside, by the way, um, was C- Craig Feeney and his partner. Okay. And I have a quote from him. He said, we plowed our way through the smoke and saw something on the couch. We yanked him to the floor and said, what? And he said, what's going on? I said, you tell me. But he was done talking. Even though that initial rush through the door only took some seconds, something beside, besides Hoffman immediately caught Feeney's eye. I almost called him Mr. Feeney, which reminded me of Boy Meets World. Yes. <laughs> the floor of the room to the right of the front door was covered with leaves. Okay, so like immediately, like they're focusing on Matthew Hoffman, but then also they're looking around going, I'm in a tree. What the fuck? What is happening? He's like, so much runs through your mind. What if somebody is hiding under that pile? Or in this case, I thought, is that where he's hiding the bodies? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I can see there are piles and piles of leaves. By the way, throughout this house, I can absolutely see how they were probably horrified to look through them in fear that they would find bodies. Agreed. So they know, they already know that he has killed 32-year-old Tina Herman, her 11-year-old son, Cody Maynard, and um, her best friend and neighbor, 41-year-old Stephanie Sprague, okay, on November 10th. So what they really didn't know is they're, they're looking for Sarah, but they're thinking that they're looking for a body. They assume, you know, um... And what's weird about this crime scene, you guys, is think about it. Picture yourself walking amongst an entire house with piles of leaves, not knowing where it's safe to step, not knowing what's under any of that. Could a grenade be under it? Could Anything. a bomb? Anything. Trip wires. All the evidence of the bodies, the things that you need to be able to put this man away.
1: I'd come in with a leaf blower. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just how my brain works.
0: I mean, they didn't.
1: Like the old west. like,
0: <laughs> I'm here mother. <laughs> for the rights. Blow those leaves around. I'm going
1: to fuck up your decor. It'll never be the same. It
0: will not. This tree house will never be the same. Now they didn't want to disturb any potential evidence. But they had to see what they were dealing with. So they actually poked at the piles with sticks. Yeah, that Leaf makes blower, sense. blower, way better idea. I, where was Megan? I where mean, were you?
1: I was probably in law school or college. No, law school. I would have been in law school.
0: Um, he's the, he also was quoted saying, uh, Miss, this is Mr. Feeney, <laughs> was, <laughs> was quoted saying, I've seen a lot of crazy cases, but this guy, wow. He had a 14 by 14 tarp in, in his living room that was piled three feet high with leaves. But the leaves were just the beginning of what awaited them. The detectives also found floor-to-ceiling rows of bags of leaves hanging on the living room wall. He took the time to bag them to then hang them in
1: rows. Oh, he bagged them outside and brought them in and mm-hmm. hung them up like a picture on the wall. Yes.
0: the in They found a bathroom that was completely insulated by more than 110 bags of leaves attached to the walls. The bags covered the mirror. They surrounded the
1: toilet. Um, <laughs> like squeezing his ass on there to take a shit. Was it like, like,
0: is this insulation or was this an fetish-y. actual fetish? I think yeah. it's fetishy. Mm-hmm. So they didn't really buy. So okay, investigators did a good job. You know, they're kind of like, where? What are we? What are we doing here? They're he didn't want to talk at first. They do discover. Sarah okay thank god yes so they discover Sarah and you know when I say that she's relatively okay I think you guys know that that goes without (laughs) saying She's, she's not she's
1: alive she
0: is alive she is a survivor she is is placed with her father of course you know um how awful we have yes we have all that but just remember that she um saw her brother be murdered she's aware that her mom is murdered she then learns that you know everything else that that had taken place she was horrifically sexually assaulted um something that she also speaks out about is you know he's he tried to tell the police and he still maintains this that he treated her well and that he played video games with her that he fed her that they were just like two buddies hanging out and she's like absolutely not i was given rotten food i was not allowed to clean myself up I wasn't allowed to shower. He attached shower. a
1: diaper to me. He put me in a crawl space. Yes. He bound and gagged me and he raped and me. And he raped me. Yeah. So no, yeah. I was not treated well.
0: Right. But that is something he actually even puts in his written confession that he ends up making. Wow. Of how well he treated her. Fantastic. As if that makes him just a stand-up Somehow guy. Somehow this is mitigating. Mm-hmm. So inside the home, besides the evidence of finding Sarah, um, He also investigators also found receipts that showed that he had bought a pair of uh, sure gloves that he, you know, all of the things he bought, duct tape, um, knives. Like He did not enter this home in his confession. Megan, he wrote that he entered this home with the intention to rob the place. And so what they have to do is disprove that. Right. Because, yes, he's confessing. He did confess to murdering them, by the way but what he's confessed it's it's that premeditation piece of just I was interrupted robbing the place and murdered I didn't premeditate the murder and they are going
1: in getting the murder saying though. yes you did felony you, murder is going to be similar to any type of first degree premeditated I guess it depends on the state I'll be honest I, it, it may be different maybe in terms of whether or not mm-hmm. so is there is it a death penalty states uh, those type of things right. so the, that does come into play
0: but the police did a damn good job of collecting evidence to show how this was premeditated. Of course it was. You bought the gloves, you bought the knives, you, and you and you took that stuff into the home that you're saying your only intention was to rob it, but you waited, you right? S- you you had plenty of time to rob it. You waited, and then you murdered, and you dismembered, and hid the bodies.
1: And took one with you.
0: Exactly, and kidnapped, and, and ra- I mean, how many extra charges are there, you know, for right. that? Um, And can you imagine the amount of work that went into processing this crime scene? I
1: can. I do. Yeah. I know exactly what, what work was put into it.
0: There were a lot of discoveries throughout the home. According to the detective's notes, reports, and photographs in the complete case file, which the Knox County Prosecutor's Office released, actually, um, in a response to public records request, the freezer in the kitchen held two unskinned squirrels, and red popsicles, and that's it. Well, it was dinner. He just had red popsicles and squirrels. Uh, I, I, this is not shocking to me. This yep. guy's crazy. Some walls and door jams were covered with doodles, the kind that a teenage girl would perhaps scratch on a notebook cover. Not done by Sarah. Right. Just so you know. There was a giant peace sign on the door. There were stars on the wall. Mm-hmm. Random names written in marker. The leaf-filled bathroom had black doodles scrawled on the white tub, including a jack-o'-lantern. Records show that before the murders, Matthew Hoffman's life was a mess. He had no real job. He was working, you know, for a a tree-trimming company, but...
1: Or he was the company. Right, but he didn't have, like, this stable
0: money. He was collecting unemployment. His car was being repossessed. repossessed.
1: (laughs) Someone wanted it?
0: Oh uh, well, he wasn't paying for it. Okay. Yeah, so the bank wanted wanted it back I to see. sell it for auction. Yeah. He had a girlfriend. He did. That actually had lived with him.
1: With the leaves.
0: Um, I'm guessing the leaves weren't there when she was there. I would
1: hope not.
0: Because this happened November tenth. Well, on October twenty-fourth, just before all of this, um, they broke up and she filed a restraining order because he had choked her. Okay. Okay. She had a young son as well, and they had moved out okay. at that point in time. So I actually feel like that was probably he was in a psychotic break at that point in time, and then spent all that time Planning. putting leaves in yeah. his home and doing all of this. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the morning of his arrest, he really didn't say anything. But his and um in the videos of the first like interviews, and they interviewed him for a really long time um he had kind of like motioned he wouldn't talk but he was doing like these games where he would just like motion and he was motioning that he was heartbroken and so the detectives like this was detective roger brown he's like um playing charades with this asshole so he's like i'm sorry does that mean heartbroken and he shakes his head yes and then he's like because of what and he shook his head no and he's like Someone broke your heart, he didn't answer, and so then and and they just sat like that for a long time trying to figure out. Male, yes, kind of, yeah, uh huh, yeah. So, in this meantime, they are searching for the bodies of Stephanie, of Tina, and of Cody because they still hadn't been seen since November 10th. On November 16th. Hoffman decides to open up to Special Agent Do- Joe Diaz of the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Identification. So he's no longer
1: a mute leaf mime. Correct.
0: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Apparently not. Oh, okay. Took a few days, but he goes ahead off camera and actually he starts talking in the restroom. We've had cases like this before. Sure. A detective takes a guy to the restroom and all of a sudden he wants to talk There's in. There's no
1: cameras in there. Mm-hmm.
0: So Hoffman, asked, hopefully, well, well, that's a good <laughs> point. Yeah, go, they're not supposed to be. Uh, Hoffman asked Diaz if he was recording what he said. The agent said no. So Hoffman said that he hadn't, that he had had a nightmare the night before. It was his, uh, his second night in the jail cell where he was on suicide watch. And Matthew Hoffman said that he dreamed that he was at a food processing plant and he opened a trash bag filled with dismembered body parts. So he decided he wanted to tell the detectives what had happened. He told the agent, but on his own terms, that he would write down the locations of the bodies for a lawyer. So then Hoffman um, would...
1: They're going to give you a lawyer?
0: Oh, well, of course he has a lawyer. Oh, yes. he means
1: he'll write them down for a lawyer. Correct. Like he'll give him to a, de- a defense yep. attorney.
0: He then told the agent, listen, after I do this and I write this down for the lawyer... I'm going to escape, and I want you to shoot and kill me. Suicide and, by cut. Right. And only after I'm dead can you give the letter to the lawyers to show where the bodies are. So in other words, he just wanted to control the know, situation and not go to prison, right? He said that he could not live with what he had done, and that if this could be agreed to, then he would kill himself in jail or make sure that he is killed in jail And that he did not want to be injected with um, Thorazine, which is a drug used to treat schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. uh, the rest of his life in prison and just wanted to end his life. He called himself a monster. Now, obviously, you know, the special agent can't go along with this plan,
1: right? That's not usually something you can agree to. No. But you can pretend.
0: And when Matthew realized that this wasn't going to come to fruition, he then said that um, he made the whole thing up. He made the story up. He doesn't know where the bodies are but two days later. It's brilliant, Matthew. Yes, we're just doing this this cat and mouse game at this point in time. Um, two days later, he decides, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to tell you what happened. And he t- points the directions to a 60-foot tall hollow tree in the Cocosin Wildlife Area near Fredericktown. He agreed to dictate a detailed confession to his attorneys and to plead guilty on all 10 felony counts that prosecutors would bring against him. Proc- prosecutors took the death penalty off the table in order to be That's able why. to I knew it the was bodies. there somewhere. Yes. Yep, on January 6th, he was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. In his confession, also released that same week as after you know he was um, sentenced he says that he panicked when the women and children surprised him during the burglary he said where he was sitting mm -hmm. relaxing he said that he had just wanted to return and burn the house down after he robbed it um i mean they accepted they accepted that they took the death penalty off the table to locate the bodies. And they did, just so you know. They located all of the bodies Did he that. drop
1: them into the hollowed-out tree? He sure the garbage did. bags with he the body sure did.
0: parts? Which tells me, Megan, that he knew where the hollowed-out tree was. Of course he did. He this knew is where was, all the good trees this were. This wasn't close. Frederick's t- This wasn't like a mile down the road he from where a, the house was. He had a planned, and he knew where to dispose he of the evidence. He did. And honestly, I am glad that he did give this up. I am glad that they made this deal, that they took... Death I don't know that they ever the would have found those. Exactly. That's exactly why. I'm glad that they took the, that, they had this negotiation piece as much as maybe people really would want him to have been sentenced to death, which, in my opinion, is a, it's an easier way out than living in prison the rest of your life, right? But um, they wouldn't have found those bodies. We are talking a 60 foot tall, hollowed tree in a way. I wild thought he wanted the area. death penalty. At first he claimed he did. What, and wouldn't you? Wouldn't you rather than
1: sitting and rotting in prison? I I would have to weigh this carefully and heavily.
0: It's just to in uh, knowing the brutality of what he did and that he murdered a child. Well, he said he couldn't two, live with it. And a dog? Yeah. And I know that that shouldn't hold the dog shouldn't hold more weight than the adult humans.
1: It doesn't, but it, but it does. There There be, are some people that it absolutely yeah, would. It, correct. Um, well, animal cruelty causing death just carries a little bit more, um, a, a less significant penalty. <laughs> so, There were some
0: other pieces that I haven't told you so far about Sarah's rescue that I'll tell you that kind of upset me when I read them. So I know for the general public it's going to as well, but I think that it deserves some explanation. Please. Um, when they discovered her locked up in the crawl space, They didn't untie her until they took pictures for evidence. And I know that that is hard to hear. Uh, But Not for me. Not for you. Exactly. When you have to be able to collect evidence intelligently to be able to bring justice for this person and for the other people that they have harmed, this is a necessary step. And I am sure that they did it with great care and as quickly as possible.
1: We've had cases like this maybe it was like with one of our uh, boy in the box cases where, mm-hmm. you know, they took photographs down into where he was found before they... Um, they, they removed him. You, you kind of have to because as soon as you free the individual from their uh, entrapment, you're you're destroying your own evidence, yes. things that you'll need. So yes. the photography piece, while I know it bothers a lot of people, imminent risk of death would be a different situation. Absolutely. You yep. know, if they would have found her, you know, over lava hanging from a sack with a, you know, then they're going to save yep. you yep. first Just as a horrible, terrible Mm -hmm. example, but it just, it doesn't shock me or really upset me that much. Although I understand for those of you that are. Yes. I'm not going to criticize law enforcement for it. Let's put it that way. Right. And you know, if, if it was necessary or needed to criticize law enforcement, I would.
0: Right. But I, I agree this is a normal process for collecting evidence. Like you said, because she wasn't on the brink of death, um, traumatized. Absolutely. And I want to speak to that traumatization because I saw in several reports where um, people were giving her accolades for how strong she is because when she was freed, the first thing that she asked the police was to take her to school so that she wouldn't miss her um, tests and studies that she had. And people are like, see, that's the type of child she was. That's and a trauma I, response. Thank you. I was like, no, 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 guys, guys. That's you're, not a good thing. You're missing this. You're yeah. missing. Yes, she is a strong that's little girl. That's 100%
1: denial. It is. And wanting things to be normal. Uh-huh and it's not normal no. and it would it's just such a trauma response i actually hope that they didn't
0: oh no they didn't they they didn't but it's just the the articles that were written by journalists you know yeah. i was like, you know, they were they were just like, oh, see, she's such a, a strong, resilient girl. That- well, she is. Absolutely. But not because she asked to go to school. Like you said, that is the trauma response. And I was like, guys, you missed you missed the whole point. You missed what that statement really indicated because that is a truly
1: significant adverse childhood experience and she obviously had strong loving role models so that she was able to pull from that resiliency piece even immediately to make things feel and seem normal Mm -hmm. for her but in terms of people who've been survivors who've been victimized like she clearly was it's not always the healthiest of responses because it just indicates that significant denial
0: yes yes
1: and she's grieving you guys She's going through all the stages of grief, too, not only for what happened to her, but for the loss of the people that she loved who were horribly murdered.
0: Right. Remember in part one, I told you how close her and her brother were and she watched him get stabbed in the back of the head. Okay I don't know if she had any knowledge at that point in time that her mother was also murdered, but I'm sure that she it's could an a, it's a good assumption right and as known. she's
1: she's bound and gagged and tied up in her room waiting for this uh, yes. homicidal maniac to finish dismembering her brother now in the bathtub, Correct. Correct. um bagging them all up and then putting her in the car with next. the bagged body parts right.
0: and and did he tell her Fuck, that's man. what was in it I don't know I think
1: you could assume yeah. you know there's a distinct smell even at of 13 course. years of age you're laying next to a bag where you almost can I can sensory wise feel like the arm in of the course. bag right or of you're course. reaching just trying to feel your way around it makes me feel sick I'm so well, sad for her me
0: too And I, I am assuming that to make sure that she doesn't try to run, I would imagine he probably told her exactly who he had already killed and done that too. Of if you try to run, if you scream, this will be you too. Yes. Okay. So yeah, we've got we have lots and lots of trauma here. Um, She did say, you know, I think in his letter he tried to make people think certain things so that he would feel good about himself
1: like he, how well he treated her
0: yes he told you know he put in his letter that he fed me and stuff read me books it's like he, she said he didn't do any of that stuff he didn't let me shower didn't let me you better the bathroom, run food.
1: nothing right um oh he was romanticizing it
0: he was oh yes because they were in a in a relationship in his mind right um during his trial sarah had actually requested That she would like to make a a statement to him in court. Love
1: her. Love that.
0: Now, um, for whatever reason, she was advised not to. And I don't know what I don't. I actually wonder if that is because of the knowledge that they had about the way that he felt they were in a relationship. And so it would have just given him more enjoyment to have heard from her. But what she wanted to do was tell him, I'm not scared of him and that I was going to go on and live my life. Okay, all right, but she didn't she didn't get to speak that piece, and I think that there just might be some more um, information there about how he would have enjoyed it and the court
1: didn't want. I'm any sure of that, that I'm sure that happens with plenty of perpetrators listening to victims, uh, survivors give statements at their sentencings. Yep. and families thereof. It's a risky run.
0: Uh, would you like me to read you the confession?
1: Please? Okay. Yes.
0: I have it because it was released to the public. He said, I parked my car in Howard and walked from there to the house. I got to the woods across the street from the house a little after midnight. I slept across the street from the house that night in a sleeping bag. I woke up at daylight. There were two vehicles parked at the house during the night. I saw that the gray car had left. I went back to sleep around nine on Wednesday morning. I stayed there until a woman left in a pickup truck. This meant that there were no vehicles at the house. I walked across the street and tried to enter the front door, but it was locked. I then went in through the garage door. The garage door was not closed all the way, so I slid under it into the garage. I kicked the door into the house from the garage. By this time, it was approximately 10.30 a.m. Wednesday morning. I looked around the house to make sure no one was there. Even if I did not take anything, there was a certain amount of excitement in being in someone else's home without them being there. I was looking for anything of value that could be carried out easily, like money, jewelry, etc., I did not find anything of any real value. I was getting ready to leave as I had been there approximately an hour, but someone pulled into the driveway. I was back in the bedrooms when she entered the house and was, able to, was unable to exit without breaking a window or trying to jump out. Apparently he doesn't know how to open a fucking window. Or hide under a bed. Okay. I had brought my knife for a certain amount of intimidation in case I ran into someone and needed to make an escape. When she made her be- her way back into the bedrooms, I confronted her and made her get onto the bed lying face down. I believe that we were in her bedroom. I had a blackjack. I was going to try to knock her out. I hit her a couple of times in the head, but this would not knock her out. It was not doing the job, and I started panicking. The next thing I knew, her friend came into the bedroom. I had no idea when she got there, what she was doing there, and how she gained access. The other woman yelled at me. There were now two to deal with, and I did not know what to do. I grabbed the knife that I had put down on the nightstand and stabbed the woman on the bed through her back twice. I chased the other woman down, Stephanie, and stabbed her a couple of times in the chest. Instead of running out of the house, she ran into another bedroom. I believe this bedroom was for a girl due to the the contents of the room. I then went back to the other bedroom where the first woman was located and stabbed her a couple more times. I could tell that both were, women were dead now. At this time, I was in a, a total state of shock. I wandered around the house slowly, coming to the realization of what I had done and how bad it was. During this time, I killed the dog because it wouldn't stop barking. After I came to the conclusion that I was going to dispose of the bodies and burn the house down, at first I thought about loading the bodies into a vehicle and driving it to into Foundation Park Pond. I would swim away as the vehicle sank. But I felt that it was too cold and I might not be able to make it out of the water. Oh, he's worrying about his own well, safety. Well, so, yeah,
1: self preservation.
0: I decided to process the bodies and dispose of them inside. Did you hear what he just said? Yes. I'm glad you picked up on process. that. Process. Mm-hmm. Not just dismember, like you would not cut up. Process. An That's what we call when we deer, kill deer process. Mm-hmm. So he said, I decided to process the bodies and dispose of them inside of a tree that I knew was hollow. hollow. I took the bodies into the bathroom and began processing the bodies to dispose of them. I used garbage bags from within the house and placed the bodies inside. Once I had finished processing the bodies, I moved the Jeep into the garage to load up the bodies. I still had a couple of bags to load into the Jeep when I heard the children come into the house. I confronted the children, and the girl instantly ran to a bedroom. I stabbed the boy in the chest a couple of times. I ran into the bedroom after the girl to make sure she was not on the phone for help. And I saw the girl was not on the phone. And I could not bring myself to kill her I did not enter the house to kill those people I did not know a single one of them that's actually not true I did not know their names and I did not know all who all lived in the house he was he actually wrote in his statement the word the name Stephanie by the way I chose yeah, he hu- knew her uh-huh. I chose the house to break into there because there was not any close neighbors and I noticed the garage door was ajar I chose the house the day before. I did not plan any of this to happen. I did not want to kill anyone, and I just tried to knock the first woman out so that I would be able to escape. This was not working. A second woman showed up, and things quickly spiraled out of control. They kept escalating, and I was panicking. I only chose to process the bodies to make their disposal easier. So on Jan- in January 2011, Matthew Hoffman pleaded guilty to 10 counts
1: and was sentenced
0: to life without parole. Jesus. Yeah.
1: Okay. Thanks, Charnel.
0: Isn't that a... Fucking bizarre case. I'm he's sorry. bizarre.
1: You know, I would love to have some insight into his psychological makeup, which, mm. you know, perhaps there since he's serving time right now, there's some work being done with him. But uh, not that I give a, a fuck or think that there's anything mitigating and he's right where he belongs. But I'm interested in the the tree and the leaf fetish and how that came about and when that started. Um,
0: Me too, because he didn't have the type of childhood that we typically talk about for this type of escalation. Even
1: with a divorce being traumatizing, that's just some weird shit. And If your kids start bringing in any bags of leaves to put on the wall, you should get them help. (laughs)
0: Well, I guess so. Right. I mean, if it's more than for a, a leaf project. I mean, well. All right. Are
1: you uh, gonna bathe me?
0: I'm gonna bathe you. Okay. I'm gonna I'm going to bathe Well,
1: listen. Are you gonna bathe me in leaves? I don't want to.
0: I'm not. But is it a bath? I don't know. You're gonna feel dirtier, I think. Sometimes I like it's, that. I'm <laughs> also gonna throw this in here because it's from November thirteenth, two thousand twenty three. I have So haven't, this
1: is just Less than two months ago,
0: I haven't been able to verify that it's not satire. satire. But
1: I, I love a questionable yes. brain bath. Is yes. it satire? Is it real? You guys be the judge.
0: And I don't have. I'm trying to click on the whole link because this was sent to us by a listener, and and I'm trying to I'm trying to pull up the actual. I don't know. Phones hate us sometimes. Well, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to read for you the title, and then we'll see if we can find an actual article, because I thought this was the actual article. Okay. It's just her mugshot in the title that says, Morgue worker stole human testicles from corpses to help her win homemade spaghetti sauce Gross. contest. I told you you wouldn't feel cleaner after this, but I want you to see her mugshot. She,
1: oh, God, oh. that's a testicle eater.
0: It is. This is uh, Mrs. Trunchbull. From Matilda. I
1: found a Snopes article.
0: Okay. Hold on. Tell me it's not real because this could be
1: terrible. It is a satirical article, Good. had the headline, Morgue Assistant Uses Testicles. So, an online article reported that an Illinois morgue assistant named Linda Anders made use of an unusual secret ingredient in a local cooking competition. That she specifically used testicles from corpses to help win an annual spaghetti cook-off. In late July of 2022, readers sent in quite a few messages that asked us to find out if a grisly-sounding article was true. It was published on July 27th of 22 on KVTA4.com with the headline, Morgue Assistant Uses Testicles from Corpses to Help Win Annual Spaghetti Cookoff." It named the supposed Illinois Morgue Assistant as the 41-year-old Linda Anders. Despite the somewhat official-looking local news field that KVTA4.com might appear to have, the truth is that the website bears a satire disclaimer. Part of the spaghetti cookoff story read as follows. Linda Anders, 41, has been a participant in Carterville's annual spaghetti cook-off for the last 12 years. In those dozen years, the highest she had placed was second, and Linda knew second is the first (laughs) loser. For 2022 and lucky contest number 13, Linda used a secret ingredient that she was sure would give her that extra edge and earn herself the blue ribbon she so (laughs) desired. Anders worked as a morgue assistant for the County Williamson. For the 11 months leading up to the cook-off, Linda collected the testes from deceased adult males. She would slice them, dice them, and sew them up without attracting attention. And who was going to miss the missing balls of dead men anyway? I mean, they're not using them anymore. In this satirical story, the morgue assistant was eventually arrested after a judge, tasting the spaghetti, realized he was chewing on a prosthetic testicle. <laughs> On KVTA4.com's About Us page, it shows the following disclaimer that describes the output as satire. KVTA 4 is a fabricated, satirical newspaper and comedy website. Uh. Uh. It uses invented names in all its stories, except in cases when public figures are being satirized. Any other use of real names is accidental and coincidental. I
0: love it.
1: On August 1st, the article from KVTA 4.com was reported on by The Wayne D Show on Buckeye Country 94.3 on Uh iHeart.com. So this is how wildfire spreads.
0: I see. What
1: this morgue assistant... Put in her spaghetti will make you vomit, the article read. But it did not mention that the story was satirical. Oh, no. It's unclear where the mugshot of the woman came from that was I was going to ask was that, too.
0: This poor woman, Mrs. Trunchbull. How, somewhere out
1: there, she's like, I did I not.
0: I did not. She probably did something way worse. <laughs> oh, right. Like,
1: like, like took her husband's out of the sack yeah. while he was still alive. Right. However, these kinds of satirical articles about morgues usually repurpose real life mugshots for their fictional tales. It's likely that the mugshot was real, but the person pictured had nothing to do with the morgue assistant testicles from corpses or spaghetti hence the problem with posting pictures online
0: because you just never know where they could end and thank you
1: jordan Lyles, senior reporter for snopes since 2016 for verifying that this did in fact not occur yep and also this is why i don't taste food at cook-offs Oh, and I don't like potlucks. Uh, we've had this conversation yeah, don't, before. Don't right? like family em. potlucks. I I am okay with.
0: Ironically, if you brought spaghetti and meatballs to my house and said this is made with male testicles, I would say you'd try it. I would. I'm a I good bet cook. you can season it beautifully.
1: I really could. Yeah, it wouldn't. It would. And we all know me. you probably would have assisted me in. Yeah, disposing of. Well, procuring the ingredients right, to begin with. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So now let's have some testicles tonight. And you're <laughs> like, how are we prepping them? <laughs> raw, straight from the source. <laughs> all organic,
0: all for organic. Us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. We need uh, to leave these people now. We do.
0: It's, it is time. Thank you all so much for listening. And we hope that you come back next week. And, Please uh, keep it curious.
1: Keep listening. Bye bye. <laughs>